0: Today I'll be preaching from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse number 17, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. that Without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also To the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace towards us. Thank you that you are a God who is faithful. And even when we have failed you, you still remain faithful. Lord, we come before you at a time where we are in great need as a people, as a world. Lord, in so much chaos and trouble, but we know that you are still in control and you have a will and a purpose and a plan for all lives. And I pray, dear Lord, as your word goes forth today, that you would use it in a mighty way to draw men, women, boys, and girls to yourself. I pray that you would provide comfort and help where needed. I pray that you provide conviction and guidance, direction, where that is needed. And in everything that your will might be done in every heart and in every life, I pray that your word would find a lodging place in every heart and that lost souls would be saved. Believers would be challenged and strengthened to take a closer walk with you. Pray that you give me the words you love me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And when it is all said and done, that we'll be careful to give you honor and glory and praise, for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. When I was in college, which was many, many years ago, I was determined to work and to study hard so that I could get the best possible grades that I could. In doing so, I had hoped that every grade would be an A. But as I interacted with different students early on in my college life, I realized that everybody did not have the same motivation that I did. I came to this conclusion after observing people's work ethic. When it came to working in groups and different people having their part to do, And then you hear stories of the parties that they were at last night. All the fun they had before an exam. Or when assignments were due, seeing their continuous absences from classes. But one of the things that amazed me was the terminology that students would use when they were notified at the end of the course of their grade. I would hear them say something like this. The professor, could you believe it? He gave me a C. Oh, I can't believe the professor failed me. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean he gave you a C? You mean that's what you got? You see, my friend, the the receiving of a grade, I thought at the time and I still think, ought to be an assessment or an acknowledgement of the performance of what was done. A grade is not a prize. It is not a gift. It is not an award. We have here at Child Baptist Church for the last uh, several weeks, we have been doing a test, if you will. It is a test of the self-assessment variety. It's one that you have to examine yourself. You have to grade yourself. It's a self-assessment test on how much you love God. How much you love God. And the purpose of this test, this assessment, if you will, is to determine where we stand on this most important criteria. It is an important criteria, my friends, because Jesus himself declared uh, to a, a young lawyer and by extension to all those who were present and all of us, that this commandment that God has given, the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And he went on to say that the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself and on these two commandments hinge all the law and the prophets. And it is with this commandment in mind that I believe firmly that it would behoove all of us to do our own assessment in this regard. And it's my prayer that as we do this assessment that whatever this assessment reveals that we would be honest with ourselves and that it would be our desire that wherever we find ourselves in answer to this most important question that we would desire to love God more and more and not be satisfied with where we are. There have been a number of criteria that have formed the the basis for this test. And I've, I've, I've presented to all of us a variety of questions to help us all perform this assessment. And just by way of quick review so that you can understand where we are, we ask first of all the question, do you speak with him? You see, my friend, it's hard to convince someone that you love them if you never, ever, ever talk to them. You never, ever communicate with them. So the first question that we examined was, do you speak with him? The second was, do you sit at his feet? In other words, do you enjoy his presence? The third question was, do you serve him? The fourth, do you sacrifice for him? Are you willing to give up something that's of importance and of significance to you for him? The next question was, do you stand up for him? Last week, we asked another question. That question was, do you submit to him? Are you willing to give up your will for his will? But today, the final question that we're going to ask by way of this assessment in this series is do you speak about him? Do you speak about him? You see, my friend, it is natural to speak about people who you love. Why? Because they are on your heart. They are on your mind. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, said, in, to, said to them in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, an unwillingness to ever speak of God is an indicator that there is some work needed on one's love for him. And as we've been asking these series of questions, we've been examining a variety of biblical characters. And today, as we ask this question, do you speak about him? We want to be able to examine and observe the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's story is one of a transformed life. He was a Pharisee, responsible for persecuting and killing Christians. And we know very clearly that he was on the road to Damascus when God interrupted his plans. His life was changed. And he became the greatest missionary who ever lived. One who God used to pen uh, over half of the the New Testament. He was one who spoke of Jesus uh, to people of all walks of life. Whether they were prostitutes, whether they were kings. And so by question, by way of question today, we want to examine and looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, do you speak of the Lord? Do you speak of the one who you claim to love? Now, within this context, I'm going to ask a further series of questions, and I really want us to soul search. Jot down, first of all, this question. Do you introduce him to others? Do you introduce the Lord to others This was the Apostle Paul's goal wherever he went. I mean, he was looking, he was anticipating opportunities that would present themselves to allow him the privilege to speak of the one who he loved. Just a tip for married couples. If you're out and about with your spouse and you interact with people who don't know him or her, please introduce, introduce rather, your spouse to them. Amen? Amen. She is or he is with you. By virtue of being married, you are now what? One. This is a person who is important to you. To not introduce your spouse uh, does not send a nice message to the one is not known if you love jesus my friend he should be of major importance to you you should be looking for ways and opportunities to introduce him to as many people as possible let the church say Paul did this time and time and time again. You read is the book of Acts, and I want to draw your attention to Acts, not Acts Gospel, but Acts chapter 17. And I want you to see one instance where the apostle Paul, through spiritual discernment and wisdom, in a crowd that would have been anti-God. And this is just one of many passages where the apostle Paul, Looked for opportunities to speak of the one he loved. In Acts chapter 17, we see Paul here on Mars Hill. And I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 16. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, speaking of Silas and Timothy, it says his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to God idolatry therefore disputed he in the synagogues with the Jews with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said what will this babbler say others some other some he seemeth to be a set of of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection and I want you to see what the Apostle Paul dropped down to verse number 22. With all this chaos, with all this idolatry, with all this skepticism about what message he would present, the Bible says in verse 22 Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, wherefore, whom therefore he ignorantly worshipped, him I declare unto you. Look at the wisdom and the discernment of the apostle Paul. He's walking through this idolatry. And he's seeing people worship all kinds of gods. And so these people are so much into uh, all these different gods that they want to make sure that they don't miss any God who they might not know about. So they create an altar and they, they inscribe on it to the unknown God. And the apostle Paul is observing all that's going on. And he finds an altar to the unknown God. And in his wisdom and in his discernment, he says, Hey, I actually realize these people worshipping a God that they don't even know about. I'm going to get an opportunity to speak of him and his timing is perfect and he grabs their attention. Why? Because he's looking for an opportunity to speak about God. My friend, if we're going to speak about God, we have to be willing to look for opportunities uh, to introduce him, to speak of him to others. It's not going to happen by accident. And so the question this morning, as uh, you speak about him, or do you speak about him, are you willing to introduce him to others? It's, it's somewhat humorous at times when you encounter newlyweds. You wonder if it wears off after a while. Right? And somebody just gets married. Oh, this is my wife. Maybe they like the ring of it. The sound of it. This is my husband. Willing to introduce. My friend, be willing to introduce people to your God. Amen. Amen. The second question I want you to jot down and to assess yourself on. You don't have to show off, have a show of hands. This is a self-assessment test. Are you embarrassed when you introduce him. Are you embarrassed? None of us like to be embarrassed. Sometimes we, as people, do things that embarrass each other. We don't like that. When you're a pastor like myself, sometimes you end up embarrassing your family members with the things you say from the pulpit. Sometimes you see them there, there, their heart's in their hand. They're wondering what is he going to say now when he begins with a personal illustration or a story. And I don't tell them in advance what I'm going to say, so they're holding on to the edge of their seats. But there's something completely different going on if you're embarrassed to speak of those you love. No, I don't want to say, I can't say that it doesn't happen. I can't say that there might not be a time where you will be embarrassed to speak of somebody that you love because that can happen. It can happen for a good reason. It can happen for a variety of reasons. It could be that that person did something embarrassing and it makes you ashamed. It could be that they disgraced themselves by committing some crime or doing something that simply put, would embarrass anybody. I know you're embarrassed to be associated with that person. In such a case, you are ashamed of what they've done and who they have become. But my friend, when it comes to God, is there anything that the God of the universe could be guilty of that would cause you to be ashamed of speaking about him? when we think of all that God has done, we are to want to tell others about him. Amen? But there's another scenario where at times we might be embarrassed to speak about God. Think of me if you have a friend. And it's a friend that, sad to say, you have been speaking of them Behind their backs. Saying unsavory and bad things. And now an opportunity presents itself for you to speak about them and it's embarrassing for you to speak now because what you said would be contradicting what you said in private. It would be embarrassing to speak of them. My friend, this is why the failure to speak about God is often an indicator of a problem that exists somewhere. The question this morning, are you ashamed of God for any reason? Have your actions and words embarrassed him such that you cannot speak freely about him? Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 says, Jesus speaking says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Are you ashamed to speak about God? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in our text in Romans chapter 1. In verse number 15, he says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And he makes this statement that we are so familiar with, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Apostle Paul says, listen, this salvation has delivered me. It has given me power and I cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But I want you to observe something in the life of the Apostle Paul that, that was his continuous motivation throughout his entire ministry. And it was the fact that he felt that he was a debtor. None of us like being in debt. Am I right? It it, it, it can feel like a weight. It it can feel like a burden. Especially when you can't figure out how to pay. Here the apostle Paul is saying that he was a debtor. And him being a debtor motivated him. You know why? because what he had received by way of salvation was so much. He was like no matter what I do throughout my entire life, I can never ever 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 repay God for what he has done for me so I gotta press on I gotta press on. I can never stop God has been too good to me. I gotta keep going he has given me so much I gotta keep going in spite of any circumstance I'm a debtor so you can't me up. You can't slow me down. You can't stop me. I'm a debtor forever to this great God. You know why some people don't speak about God? They feel God owes them something. My friend, it's the other way around. We owe him everything. Everything. So we got to speak about him. We are obligated. The third question I want you to observe today, when it comes to speaking about this great God, are you afraid of criticism? Are you afraid of criticism? My friend, we ought not to be afraid to speak about the people that we love. You know what I found? It's actually helpful. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? When you speak of the people you love, especially in those most important relationships that we have in our lives, it helps other people know where you stand with them. When it comes to a marriage relationship, and I'm just using that for example, when others know where you stand regarding your spouse, it saves you from proposals and propositions that would compromise your relationship. So you're not not to be afraid to speak of the ones you love. You know, you're talking to somebody of the opposite sex. Listen, interject a story about your wife. Interject something that your wife would say. Put it in there. Put it in the mix. They'll get the message. Listen, I'm not saying that there is something, uh, you know, suggestive or something wrong about talking about. But just put it out there. It helps keeps a certain distance. It's for your protection. And if they wish to criticize, listen, say that's okay. Because my stance in this relationship is not going to change. Don't be afraid of criticism when it comes to speaking about the great God you serve. I want you to look back at Acts chapter 17. I want you to notice something. I read a verse there. And I want to draw your attention back to it because sometimes we are too afraid of what somebody is going to say. But look back with me at verse number 17 of Acts chapter 17. Paul's, Paul on Mars Hill, as we observed. He says, verse number 18 rather, let's look at that one. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him And some said, what will this babbler say? I mean, Paul is hearing before he's about to speak that they're already referring to him as a babbler. That's not a nice statement. That's not a nice word. Listen, if somebody calls you a babbler, listen, you probably ought to be offended others some. He seemeth to be a set forth of, of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. They're speaking of him uh, in not glowing terms my friend. But even though they call him a babbler, even before he opened his mouth, Paul was not deterred. Paul was not dissuaded. I say to you my friend, when it comes to speaking of your great God, don't be afraid of criticism. I want to say to our young people, get accustomed to speaking about Jesus to your friends. You might be a little nervous at first but after you do it a little while, you'll get accustomed to it. Don't be afraid of criticism. But here's another question for us this morning. When it comes to speaking Of the one you love. And we're speaking of God. Are you afraid of personal loss? Are you afraid of personal loss? Are you afraid that you're going to lose an opportunity? Are you afraid that you might lose some business? Are you afraid you're going to lose some money? Are you afraid you're going to lose a relationship? But if you are, what does that say about your love for God? You see, my friend, the answer to these questions highlights to us where our priorities lie. It shows Priority given to another thing over our relationship with God. I'm not picking on anyone because I'm not about to say this because I've (laughs) seen a particular person do this. I'm just saying that it is true that there are some people who remove their wedding ring so as not to draw attention or awareness to the fact that they are married now when that is done for that reason no. if you took off your wedding ring because it was too tight I'm not referring to you I'm talking about when you take it off because you don't want somebody to know that you're married amen when it is done with that intention, the goal is to not lose an opportunity, get this, to be unfaithful to one spouse. In that instant, that individual, get this, is prioritizing one relationship over the other. My friend, when we fail to speak about God because of the fear of personal loss, here is what we are saying. We are saying to God, God, my relationship with you, uh, 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 it needs to go on the back burner for a little while. While I prioritize this other opportunity. While I prioritize this other offer. It is no wonder that James, in James chapter 4 and verse 4, says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, you see the dichotomy here? That the Bible is saying that when an individual chooses to prioritize another relationship, another offer, another opportunity over their relationship with God, that is akin to adultery. Wow. Do we ever think that I'm actually cheating on God with another person, another opportunity, another thing? I want you to observe the Apostle Paul as we look at another passage in the book of Acts. Notice the mindset of Paul when it came to this matter of personal loss. In Acts chapter 21, and verse number 10, the apostle Paul was about to go to Jerusalem and he had ministered to saints for several days. And there was apparent danger that was predicted that he would face in Jerusalem. And I want you to look at what the Bible says in verse number 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owned this girdle, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. (coughs) Excuse me. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Wow. Paul was not afraid even of the loss of his life because of the opportunity to speak of his Lord. But I want you to observe the final question this morning as it relates to speaking about God. And the question is simply this. Do you praise him? Do you praise him? After all that God has done for you, are you willing to give him? I'm talking about verbal praise, honor, and glory. I'm not talking about praise in your heart. I'm talking about praise that is audible. All of us appreciate compliments. Don't you like compliments? For those of you who are married and even for those of you who are not married particularly to the husbands when your wife puts all that time into getting ready the truth of the matter is she's actually doing it and waiting for you to compliment her. You know that? That's why we get in trouble when we don't. Because it was done with the goal of waiting for us to say you look terrific. And when we don't notice, we wonder why we're in the doghouse. We forgot to compliment. We like compliments. We like acknowledgement for doing a great job. We're even admonishing the word of God to give honor where honor is due. But my friend, if human beings are to be given honor, we honor is due, how much more important it is to give a God who loves us, a God who gives us more than we deserve, a God who is beyond description, how much more it is to give him honor and glory and praise that can be heard. What excuse can be acceptable enough not to give God praise? I mean, we know it's in the heart. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaketh, my friend. And my friend, here's a very important reason why we ought to praise God. We ought to praise God so that others will praise God. That's biblical. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So that you know Pastor Wayne is not making that assertion up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 24. Here's why it's important for you to praise God. Here's why it's important for you in church to sing. Here's why it's important for you to give God worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 24 says, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart, made manifest and so falling down on his face he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth here's what he's simply saying that when a person comes in and he says unlearned he's not talking about somebody uneducated he's talking about someone who comes in who does not know God in the way that you do does not understand that God is real and God desires a relationship and God can work in a mighty way but when he walks through that door and he sees people who are praising God God, who are worshiping God and who have a reason to give God, listen, a, 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 a high note of praise. Listen, he realizes that. Listen, they God must be real for true. Yeah. 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 And I got to examine why I'm not worshiping Him. I got to go figure out what is it about dear God that makes them worship Him like that. Hey, I got to get on board. And it helps others to recognize the power of worship and praise. Don't have time to read These verses, but in Acts chapter 16 and verses 19 to 25, uh, the story of of Paul and Silas being thrown into prison. And my friend, when they, when they, when they got thrown into prison after being beaten, after being ridiculed, after bleeding, listen, the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. You know why that was important? Because when the prison began to shake and those those chains began to loose, they knew that, listen, that was not some happenstance. That was a direct response to their praise and to their worship. And when that happened, the, the jailer came in and said, what must I do to be saved? Amen. Amen. So when it comes to speaking about God, Don't be afraid to stand up and give a testimony of what he's done for you. You could be instrumental in convincing someone of the goodness of God. Is it your desire to speak about him? When we have testimony time on a Sunday night from the youngest to the eldest, stand up and tell of God's greatness. And if there is something in your life that is hindering you from doing so, address it. Take care of it. But don't let anything hinder you from speaking about this great God who loves us beyond description. And because He loves us, we are to love Him in return.